Hey guys, this is Everything Missing or a Murdered Podcast. My name is Andrea. I hope everyone's having a great day today. I'm not. It's super hot in our house. Our AC doesn't work and we're gonna see about um, getting somebody out here to fix it. It is horrible heat outside and inside and it's worse inside even with all the fans going on the ceiling doesn't really do anything um so this is my third attempt of trying to record this um i don't have noise canceling headphones so i'm having a lot of stuff happen at once like my kids running around when he should be in bed and um, my husband was being really loud so i'm like okay i cannot record this so i'm like hiding somewhere trying to record this um, but yeah, so this is a week late. I apologize. I wanted to do this episode last week, but I wanted to make sure I got everything correct. And if I still get things wrong, please somebody let me know so I can fix it. Um, it's important to get this case correctly because it's an unsolved murder slash unsolved missing persons case. So there's two people involved and they are connected so I figured I would um, talk about this one, um, and hopefully some news comes out soon about what happened to both of them. I mean, we know what happened to one of them, but we don't know who did that. Also, I want to give a shout out to the Vanishing of Vivian Cameron podcast because um, I thought it was amazing. It's 10 episodes. Somebody on Twitter gave me a uh, um, recommendation to it, so hopefully, um, hopefully, if anyone wants to check it out, I will post it in the show notes. It's a really good ten episodes, and it enlightened me. So I added some of it yesterday to my notes. So hopefully, it um, works out well. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just get into this. It's an older case, and um, it's unsolved, like I said. And let's get into it. So this is the Phillip Island murder. Phillip Island is located in Victoria, Australia. Phillip Island is a very popular spot to spend the holidays at. It is great for surfing and swimming. And the land consists of a lot of farmland. And before I get into this case, there's a lot of names I'm going to mention. So I really hope I get all the names straight. And... I don't confuse you or myself when I talk. Twenty-three-year-old Beth Barnard lived at her parents' holiday house on Phillip Island in 1984. Beth took a job as a ranger at this place called the Penguin Parade. I'm not really exactly sure what her job consisted of, but Phillip Island has the largest little penguin colony in the world. You can watch them go back home from the ocean to where they have burrows any night of the year. You can help support research and educate activities of the penguins. There is a live penguin burrow camera that you can view as well. I don't think that had any... I don't think that that was around in 1984, but it's. I still felt like it was worth noting. And the penguins are really cute. Beth met another ranger by the name of Fergus Cameron, who was married and lived with his siblings and their spouses on a farm that they ran. 
This farmland was near the Penguin Parade. So this is where I'm going to get into some of the names. We have Fergus Cameron, and he is married to Vivian. They have two sons together, and apparently they did not have the best marriage. Fergus has a sister named Marnie Cairns, and she is married to Ian. Fergus also has a brother, and his name is Donald Cameron, and he is married to Pamela. Fergus and his family share farmland, like I said, and they run it, and each couple lives in a separate farmhouse over the property. In April 1985, Beth Barnard got a second job as a farmhand for the Cameron family. In May, she started to have a affair with Fergus Cameron. Pamela, Donald's wife, became close with Beth, and um, she was considered a part of the family at that point, and Donald and Pamela's kids treated Beth like she was a sister. So you could say they were pretty close. On September 22nd, 1986, from what I read, Fergus Cameron went to visit Beth Barnard at her house. He left her house around 9 p.m. and was apparently the last person to see her alive. After that, someone came in and murdered her. They think she was stabbed while she was lying down and quickly stood up to try to defend herself because there was some defensive wounds on her. Beth was stabbed several times, her throat was cut, her face was cut, and she had a broken tooth. Her ankle, elbow, and hand had some defensive wounds on them. Her body was covered with blood that looked smeared, so like somebody was trying to wipe it up, I guess. Um, She was found lying on her back on the bedroom floor with her head almost in the doorway. She was covered by a blanket up to her chin. I wonder why. Some believe that that's a sign of someone that whoever did this had some remorse for what they did, but I'm not really sure. Beth's t-shirt was pulled up and the letter A was cut into her abdomen. Some officers think that the A stood for adulterer because of the Scarlet Letter novel. I'm not really sure what else it would mean. On the same night, on September 22nd, Fergus got home around 9.20 p.m. Fergus's sister, Marnie Cairns, was there where, um, when Fergus came home, talking with Vivian Cameron, his wife. Vivian and Marnie were drinking a glass of wine. Apparently, they only had one glass. Marnie left, and Fergus said that he and Vivian had a fight in which he confessed, allegedly, to his relationship with Beth Barnard. Vivian got angry and smashed her wine glass into his ear. Vivian ended up taking Fergus to the hospital that was close by. Two nurses and a doctor were there to help. The nurses kind of felt there was some sort of domestic issue going on, but um, both Fergus and Vivian wouldn't really go into detail about what actually happened. And Marnie and her husband Ian were called to watch Vivian and Fergus's kids while they were at the hospital. Marnie and Ian came to the house after they had left and found some blood in the house. Marnie said she saw blood on some clothing in a laundry basket, on some tissues, on the bed in the spare room, and on the kitchen bench. The blood in the kitchen and the spare room was typed as A, and they found that out later, and Vivian's blood type is A. And I'm not really sure 
why her blood would be there. I mean, I get it that it was her house and that happens, but let me explain something to you really quick. The account of what happened after Marnie left and Vivian and Fergus got into a fight is all according to Fergus Cameron. I know, that's crazy. Why do you ask is it like this? Because um, Vivian is missing. She is not here to explain anything, so she is gone. She's not here. She's the missing person in this case. I just figured I should have, I should share that now because this, this case is crazy, I'm just telling you. But yeah, so if he says she smashed him in the ear with a, a glass and he had to go to the hospital, maybe she cut herself too and that's why her blood was there. I'm, I'm not really honestly sure why else her blood would be there. I mean, I know that it's her house, like I said, but I just, I'm not sure. Vivian wanted Fergus to stay at the hospital overnight, but he did not think he needed to. At around 12.30 a.m., Fergus and Vivian came home. Marnie says before she leaves, um, after they come home, she did see a piece of broken glass on the floor and just put it in the trash can, which, I mean, I would have probably done the same thing. I mean, you don't think, okay, this might be a crime scene later or something. So I understand why she did that. It's just one of those things you don't really think about. Um, and again, this is according to Fergus. Him and Vivian talked some things through and decided to get a divorce, which I don't think I blame them. I mean, he's having an affair. He's not obviously happy in the marriage. And she is realizing he's having an affair or knows that he has an affair. And it's, you know, it's a mess for her. So I don't blame her for wanting to leave too. So the deal was that Fergus would stay on Phillip Island and have custody of the kids. Vivian would go to Melbourne, which from what I could see is about two hours from Phillip Island. And um, I wanted to mention in the uh, the vanishing of Vivian Cameron, there is a uh, the per um, the person of the podcast mentions that. Um, Vivian has a brother in Melbourne, so I guess that makes sense why she would go there. Vivian had taken Fergus to Marnie's house, and Marnie gave her some sleeping pills before she left. Not really sure why she would give her sleeping pills. I don't know if maybe she thought she was too tired or something and can't sleep and needed the pills. I'm, I'm not really too sure why that happened. At 3 a.m., Vivian called a friend of hers named Robin Dixon. I don't understand why all these people are up this late at night, but they are. Um, Robin's husband's name is John Dixon, and he is the one that picked up the phone. I told you there's a lot of names in this case. Vivian had asked them to come watch her two kids. Robin and John went to her house and picked up the kids who were still sleeping. Robin saw a Holden Kingswood sedan parked at the house. When they picked up the boys, Robin also noticed a black purse by the back door. And Fergus and Vivian were not in the house at all. I mean, obviously, because Fergus was at Marnie's at this point, and Vivian, you'd think she would be back by then, um, but I, gu I guess not. Vivian and Fergus Cameron have another car as well, a Toyota Land Cruiser, and Vivian usually drove the Holden Kingswood sedan, but the police think that she drew 
um, that she drove the land cruiser to Beth Bernard's house because um, they think that she murdered Beth. Just going to lay that out now. According to a neighbor of Beth's, they heard a car pass their house at 3.20 a.m. Seems like so many people are out that late, like I said. And, but that could have been honestly anyone, so I'm not, I'm not really sure. But the Toyota Cruiser, I should say, is missing at this point, too. So that's why they think she took it. On the 23rd of September at 7.45 a.m., Robin Dixon called Donald Cameron. She told him she was worried because she did not hear from Fergus or Vivian and could not get a hold of them. She still had their kids, and she needed to leave for work. Robin sent one child with her kids to school, and Donald came by to get the other child. On the way, Donald drove by Vivian and Fergus's house and saw the Holden Kingswood parked there. Donald came home, and Pamela, his wife, called Marnie Cairns. Marnie left for work at 7.30 a.m., and Fergus, I guess, was still there because, remember, like I said, Vivian dropped him off at around, um, all after 12.30 after they got home, and um, probably maybe one or two-ish because I don't know how long a discussion of divorce would have taken if we're going to go with what Fergus is saying. Fergus gave the phone to Ian, um, so, cause, because Marnie wasn't there, Fergus picked up the phone, so he gave the phone to Ian, and Pamela was told about the fight that Vivian and Fergus had about his f affair with Beth, and the fact that he had to be brought to the hospital afterwards. Later in the day, Ian called Donald to tell him the Cameron's Toyota Land Cruiser was missing, and Fergus was worried about Beth. Fergus asked Donald and Ian to go to Beth's house and see if she was okay. They stopped by Fergus and Vivian's house to see if she turned up, but there was nothing. When Donald and Ian got to Beth Barnard's house, they noticed her car was there. The light outside was on, and the door was open a bit. Donald went inside and found Beth Bernard no longer alive. Both Ian and Donald drove to the Phillip Island Police Station to report what happened. Not really sure why they didn't, like, just call from a land phone, um, but I don't blame them for rushing off either. Donald Cameron, I guess, talked for a while without really saying what they came there to do at first and then told them, I mean, I guess he told them the story from the start, but then he said Beth was not okay. He didn't say she was murdered or dead. He just said she was not okay. Fergus called Marnie at her work at 9.30 in the morning and had her try to call Beth. Marnie could not get a hold of Beth. Marnie came home from work after that. She called a Dr. Paul Flood, who had a medical practice in New Haven, on the phone. The police had then talked to him about Beth being found and no longer alive. Dr. Paul Flood went to Marnie's house and informed both her and Fergus that Beth Bernard was no longer alive. Later that day, Pamela Cameron, uh, Pamela Cameron was told about Beth's death and left her job after four. On her way home, Pamela said she saw the Land Cruiser that Vivian and Fergus owned parked next to a playground. It was 500 meters from the bridge, 
that goes into Phillip Island. So not very far from that. The Toyota Land Cruiser was not locked with the windows open and the keys were found in the ignition. There was a gold purse and a black bag on the front seat. They found a lighter and two packs of cigarettes. The brand was Claridge, which uh, Vivian smoked. Another set of keys was found as well and a carving knife that was, well, a carving knife and then a bloodstained washcloth as well. Pamela took out the purse and keys and locked the door. Now it is believed from what I heard on the vanishing of Vivian Cameron that that the black purse or the black bag that was found in the car was probably the one that was found at the house by Robin. So I don't know how exactly it got there. It just sounds crazy to me to think about. John Dixon said he saw the Land Cruiser at 3 p.m. that same day. The police went to check the bridge for any kind of evidence that showed what happened. Um, thoughts were maybe that Vivian jumped off the bridge or fell or something or any clothing or blood, but nothing was found. Something, um, Someone that worked in New Haven said that they saw a vehicle parked on the road by the playground. It was not usual for a car to be out that early in the morning, which was around 5 a.m. He thought maybe they just wanted to use the bathroom or something, and that is why they were parked. He could not say what type of car, just knew something was parked there. I'd probably know something out of the ordinary too, so makes sense. A year later, a coroner said that Vivian Cameron caused her own death. In 1988, the coroner said that her body may have not been found, but they are for sure that she is no longer alive and that she jumped off the bridge. Until we know for sure, how can you say something like that? That's just so strange to me. Beth Bernard had told some friends that she was not comfortable in the relationship she had with Fergus Cameron and wanted to tell him to pick between her or Vivian. A rumor was spreading that maybe it was not an A cut into her, but a V for Vivian, but the police already said it was an A. Even the Melbourne newspaper said it was an A, although who really knows what, why that was even really cut into her. They could be just looking too far into it. I don't know. Beth's autopsy found that she had sperm in and out of her vaginal area. They did not have the technology to know whose sperm, but Fergus said that they did not have sex that night when he went to visit her. Who knows how it got there. And he could be lying. I'm not saying he's for sure responsible because we don't have the evidence of that either, but who really knows why it was there. So there are obviously some suspects besides Vivian, the more obvious one, I guess, because hello, her husband was cheating on her with Beth and she broke the glass on, on his car, on his ear. Anyone would think, okay, maybe she was the one, but we don't know that for sure. You cannot go around and accuse people of that kind of thing. And like I said, I personally do not think she did it. Beth Bernard apparently had someone that liked her. They visited her house when she was not home and sat outside the house in his car at night. He would leave her flowers every few days and she would give them away. 
He would mow the lawn when she was not home. Beth would act nice to him, but confront him later over the stuff like like the mowing, saying to friends that she yelled at him and he got really upset. Beth said he came back and got mad at her. This person would work on the Cameron farm as well and followed Beth around. And of course, that's kind of creepy. Uh, this person was upset by her passing and left an obituary notice for her in Melbourne newspaper. It seems kind of stalkerish to me. But I don't know if that person meant to have any harm towards her. A friend of Beth's named Michael Latham worked with her at Penguin Parade. He came to work on the Cameron farm as well. I mean, geez, everyone seems to be working there, it would seem. He had an interest in her and posted a newspaper death notice for her as well. The police interviewed another friend that also worked at the Penguin Parade on, um, well, later in the, I think, that same week. And that person said that Beth told Michael about her relationship with Fergus Cameron four days before she was murdered. But um, Michael had said something different. He said she told him a month before. So who really knows what's true and what's not in that situation? Um, so he's kind of considered a person of interest slash suspect because, um, because of that situation, if it's true. And then um, he had a romantic interest in her, I guess. A... Neighbor of Beth's saw a car come to Beth's house the night of the murder. This neighbor thought whoever was driving was going to come onto her property. She watched the car as it sat in Beth's driveway at around 7.30 with the headlights still on before they turned off. This neighbor went out um, like a half hour later but did not see if the car was still there. Now remember I said that Fergus Cameron did admit to being at her house that night, but that was after his work shift at the Penguin Par uh, the Penguin Parade, which was after eight o'clock. It could have been, it could not have been him that car if that car was even there. Who really knows what's true and what's not? Like I said, the police did, however, search the water under the bridge that leads to Phillip Island for any human remains, but there was nothing found. No clothes and no items of anything. I still don't understand why the coroner just assumed that Vivian jumped. In 1994, a witness told the police that he saw someone riding a motorcycle at 5.30 a.m. The motorcycle had no taillights on or headlights. The rider wore an oil-skinned coat but could, be, could not be identified, which... I mean, figures, right? You can't really... That sucks. But we don't even know if that motorcycle is involved at all. Um, apparently, the same person did see this motorcycle on the back of the Cameron Land Cruiser. So that's crazy to know that. The police interviewed Fergus two days after the murder. He was sedated and in shock. The police said it was odd how calm he was, but if he was sedated, I mean, I mean, everybody acts different, too, when they're interviewed about something so serious. Fergus told the police that Vivian had once beaten him at their house when he came home late. So all of a sudden she is abusive. I mean, first she smash, smashes a glass in her ear and now she abused you once before. That doesn't make any sense. Fergus Cameron remarried in 1993. 
Remember how I said that the letter A was found caught into Beth Barnard's skin? Well, apparently Vivian had read The Scarlet Letter. I feel like I should mention The Scarlet Letter was a novel written by Nathaniel Hawthorne and published in 1850. It is set in the Puritan Massachusetts Bay Colony during the years of 1642 and 1649. It's about a woman named Heather Prynne who has a daughter by a man to whom she is not married to and then struggles to create a new life of repentance and dignity. It's a pretty interesting read. Um, And since the Scarlet Letter is talked about quite a bit in this case, I figured it's worth noting. Before Vivian Cameron went missing, she told a friend at work that she was not happy and wanted to leave the island with her sons. So if that were true, why would she give custody to Fergus? And why would she commit suicide? Because that is what people think happened. She did not leave a note, but people do not always do that anyways. According to a friend of Vivian Cameron's, Glenda Frost says that she got a phone call from Vivian around 10 a.m. on September 23, 1986. Glenda said that it was a normal conversation. She was not talkative on the phone, so it was weird to talk sometimes. I know what that is like. My husband does not talk much, so I do a little talking for us. Glenda said she heard voices in the background, and she had... um someone over, I guess, visiting anyways, and that person was not happy that Glenda was taking a call when she was there with her. I mean, I think that's odd to be mad about something like that, but according to the police, Glenda got the call from Vivian, but it was not on the date that was that she said it was, so she must have been just mistaken according to them. There is nothing tying Vivian to the crime scene and nothing tying Beth Bernard to the Land Cruiser. No blood or anything. A small amount of blood that could have been Vivian's was found in the Land Cruiser, though, and that's possible, I guess, considering they think some of her blood was found in parts of her house, so she was clearly still bleeding when she drove the car. Both Bernard and Fergus Cameron had type O for blood. We are to assume that Vivian had type A. There was some blood found in the path outside of Beth's house on a towel at her house and on a cloth in the Land Cruiser that was type A. There was type O blood on the shirt that Fergus wore on the 22nd that we can assume was his own blood because of the wine glass incident, but since Vivian is not here to explain it, I don't really know what else to say about that situation. There was blood found in the bathroom at Beth's house, cigarette butts that were not Beth's because she does not smoke. Some testing that was done later confirmed the cigarettes that were found had traces of Vivian's DNA on them. A towel in Beth's bathroom had only Vivian's blood on it. In the 1990s, when technology for DNA got better. This was all retested and Vivian Cameron's blood was found on a handle of a knife that was found. But who knows if that was the exact murder weapon or not, to be honest. There is so much that I am like, I don't think Vivian did anything. I mean, why else is her actual blood in the farmhouse? It doesn't make sense. Plus having like her own blood on a washcloth in her car. I mean, did she bring a knife and a washcloth to the murder scene and expected a murder to happen? I don't know. 
I just feel horribly for Beth because she was murdered and I don't understand. So if she was murdered, wouldn't that person be completely covered in blood and Vivian's car didn't have any blood from Beth in the car at all? I mean, I guess she could have cleaned it up, but I mean, where would she? Why? I just don't get it. I don't think it doesn't fit to me. It just sounds like a messy situation that blood would be everywhere, in my opinion. Beth was going to end things with Fergus if she did not figure anything out. Vivian may or may not have been upset about the affair. We do not know because she is not here to say anything. And until she is found or we know the real story, I am not going to believe that she committed this crime and then took her own life. I think the family was completely odd, and so is Fergus. I am not saying Fergus had anything to do with either. There isn't enough evidence to say that at all, but it is worth noting all the time. Who killed Beth Barnard? Where is Vivian Cameron? Um, so when I listened to the... Uh, vanishing of Vivian Cameron. I listened to it yesterday because somebody uh, recommended to me yesterday. So I figured I'd give it a listen and I had a couple of notes from that. So I mentioned that Vivian has a brother in Melbourne and apparently before the 22nd, they talked or she called him and said that she wanted to come to Melbourne. And he said no let's wait until because they had plans to meet on that Friday of that week so um she she was declined I mean she was declined and then later they fixed it too she was like not the weekend um let's do it next week the week after and so on September 22nd that's when she was murdered so it's it's um so maybe she really was trying to leave. I mean, she did say she wanted to leave and take her kids. I don't know, but I definitely don't think she committed suicide. I mean, how did, so the purse, the black purse that was found was the one that Robin saw in the back door, supposedly. So why was that in the car when it was just found in the, so whoever did this had to go back and forth a lot and it just sounds like a mess and it's like a head scratcher and I have no idea who did this or why. I'm not going to put the blame on anyone, really. But um, <sighs> Fergus, man, I have no idea if he's telling the truth. Um, and his whole family, no idea. But they are not talking about it now, so I have no idea what happened. But you see why it's important to talk about this kind of case. It's important because something happened to these women. And I know a lot of people want to think that Vivian did it. Um, I've heard some podcasts that say that Vivian did it, in their opinion. I don't think so. I think she's a victim, too. And I don't think she wanted to leave her kids. I definitely don't think that, especially if she was making future plans and because like with her brother he said we'll do it the following week on that 22nd day so um and that didn't happen obviously something happened to her she's gone she's no longer here 22nd 23rd she's no longer here 
So um, if she had plans to meet with her brother and had to talk to him about something, I don't think she'd want to take her own life. I just don't. I didn't know her personally, obviously. I wasn't all, I mean, I wasn't even born then. But um, I don't, I don't know what happened here and I hope I related okay if there's any problems with it please let me know I'm very willing to take criticism and fix it um please please by all means let me know um and I hope I didn't sound like a mess and I hope that it all comes out okay um thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time